us turn to the back of the bulletin or look at the screen for our sermon. And we've been doing a series on the hymns of Christmas, and uh, this is entitled The First Noel. And uh, it came to shepherds, and so I will read this. This is Luke 2, 8 through 20. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in the manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all of these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying Praise of God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. The word of the Lord. Well, the hymn of the week is the first Noel. And so a little background on the first Noel. Uh, it is a hymn of Cornish origin, which is a county in southwest England in the United Kingdom. And it was first originally printed in this uh, book, Carol's Ancient and Modern, 1823. And uh, so it's been around for a little while. The final tune was added in 1871 by a man named John Stainer. Uh, it's historically not the most accurate of hymns. Uh, we see here that there were certain poor shepherds in the field uh, in the lane keeping their sheep on a cold winter's night that was so deep. Well, most likely, the shepherds would not have been on a cold winter's night out with the sheep. They would have put them somewhere safely. It was during the lambing season. Uh, that they would have been out. So it was probably spring uh, when they were out. And so this, of course, brings into question the origin of Christmas. Christmas is probably more in the spring uh, than in the winter. We also see that they looked up and saw a star shining in the east beyond them far. And apparently this star leads them. Well, that's the wise men that lead them. Uh, not, not the shepherds, but, uh, you know, it's a little poetic license here with the first uh, Noel. Now, some of you may ask the question, what is a Noel? What is the first Noel? The word Noel comes from the French word for Christmas and from the Latin word natalis, which means birthday. So Noel can mean Christmas. It can mean birthday. Noel can also mean good news coming from the French phrase bonne nouvelle, which means good news. And so Noel, the first Noel means the first good news, the first birthday, the first Christmas. And the first Noel, the angels did say, was to certain poor shepherds in fields as they lay. The first announcement of Christ coming into the earth was made to the most unlikely audience, to shepherds. Now, why did God choose shepherds? It's clear that God is saying something in the audience that he chose to communicate this first message. The answer is found in their response. 
Why he chose them? Why he gave the first Noel to them? Because they heard and they responded. They pursued and they found Jesus. God knew that they would hear the message and they would respond. But what does this have to do with us? But we too are hearers of the good news, news of Jesus Christ. And the question before us today is, how will we respond? For the grace of the gospel of Jesus Christ is not for those who deserve it, but for those who desire it. And so we're going to examine these shepherds. We're going to, first of all, look at the angel's announcement. What is it that the angel actually communicated to them? Secondly, we're going to look at the shepherd's response, how they responded to this message of the angels. And finally, we're going to examine our own response. Because the grace of the gospel of Jesus does not come to those who deserve it, but to those who desire it. So let's look at the angel's announcement. We see that in the same region, there were shepherds out in the flock, keeping watch over their flocks by night. <clears throat> a little info, a little background about shepherds. Shepherds were religious outcasts in Israel. They spent their days out in the fields uh, around sort of these unsavory sheep. They were considered religious outcasts. Because of their duties, they were considered unclean. They couldn't go into the temple. They couldn't participate in the religious festivals. And so they were considered religious outcasts. But they were also considered social outcasts. They were wanderers, kind of gypsies, if you will. If you think of sort of a, a class of people. They weren't looked upon with high esteem by the people. They were socially ostracized as those dirty shepherds out in the field. They were religious outcasts, they were social outcasts, and they lived a mundane existence, day by day, out in the fields, keeping watch over their sheep, with no one to what, no one to communicate with. And we see that an angel of the Lord appeared to them, though they must have been congregated, uh, keeping watch over their respective flocks, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and it says they were filled with great fear. All of a sudden, the divine penetrates their mundane existence. This angel comes to them. The angel, the word angel, by the way, in Hebrew, malach, means messenger. God brings a message to these shepherds. And it says that the glory of the Lord shone around them. Can you imagine what it must have felt like? What they must have seen as God penetrates through existence and comes into their world, these simple shepherds, and the glory of the Lord shines around them. And it says they were filled with great fear. Now, why were they filled with great fear? Now, one reason, obviously, to see such a thing was amazing. But I want to suggest to you that it's more than simply that. It's more than simply the awesomeness of the angel. You see, the holiness of God magnifies the sinfulness of man. The first time we ever see fear in the Bible is in Genesis 3.10, right after man and woman have sinned. And God walks into the garden and they feared him. They hid from him because they were afraid. You see, mankind has rebelled against God. And God is displeased with mankind. Indeed, there is an impending judgment that is over mankind. Hebrews 9.27 says, Just as every man 
is destined to die once and after that to face judgment. And so God and man is like oil and water. There's a holiness to God and a sinfulness to man. And so this is why they have this great fear. What is God going to do to me? It's in the pit of their stomach. But the angel said to them, fear not. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. The angel says, don't fear. Indeed, the literal translation, don't be fearing. Instead, be perceiving. I am telling you the good news, which we know means the gospel. I am telling you the gospel. This angel has come to these shepherds to tell them the gospel. And notice what the effects of the gospel are. Number one, it banishes fear. That's why the angel says, don't fear. Because fear is based on sin. And the angel is saying, I've come to tell you the gospel. The good news that you no longer have to fear because of sin. Because God is going to take it away. That's what the gospel does. It banishes the record of sin from your life. So we no longer have to hide from God as he walks in the garden in the cool of day. We can be face to face with him because fear has been taken away. That is what the gospel is doing. In fact, God is pleased with us through the gospel. The gospel banishes fear. But the gospel also brings peace. Look at two uh, verse 2. Uh, chapter 2, verse 14, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. The angel is saying to these shepherds, I have come, that you may not fear anymore, have to fear anymore, and that you may have peace. Peace means the end of enmity and warfare. And the most fundamental peace that a person can have is to have peace in their relationship with God. You see, God's righteous law demands that he passes judgment on us. Sin must be paid for. But the angel is saying to the shepherds that one has come into the world who is going to pay for your sin and to leave only peace. That you will have a clean record before God. That God will harbor no animosity toward you anymore. And this peace is not only going to affect uh, our record, but this peace will also affect our hearts. See, the, the shepherds don't understand this, but this gospel that is coming to the world is coming into the world to change their hearts, to soften them, to free them and us from having to be in control and to be gods ourselves. It helps us to make peace with others. Do not fear. I'm bringing you uh, a gospel that brings peace, and it also brings joy. Verse 10, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. See, this great joy comes when one knows God is for me. If I don't have to fear the rejection and the failure of my life, I can have joy. If I don't have to fear the future or circumstances in my life, I can have great joy. If I don't even have to fear death, 
I can have great joy. The angel comes and he says these things and then he explains what is this gospel that he's bringing. Notice verse 11, for unto you. In other words, all of these things that you're going to have, an absence of fear, joy, and peace, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. The angel says, I'm going to tell you the gospel. And then says, unto you is born this day in the city of David, the Savior who is Christ the Lord. In other words, the gospel is a person. One who has been born this day in the city of David. The gospel is a rescue plan undertaken by God's chosen one. This gospel can be seen. It can be touched. It can be felt. The angel is saying that this baby is the one to free us from sin, to make peace between God and man, and to bring joy in our hearts. Thus the saying, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Isaiah 53, 5 and 6 put it this way, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray, and each has turned his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. I guess it makes sense why he would come to the shepherds, because the shepherds would recognize the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. The greatest hope for mankind entered into the world that Christmas day. So many of us have been tracking with COVID and what's going on with them. For, for most people, you don't get COVID. For some people, they do get COVID. And for a lot of people, COVID is no big deal. But for some people, COVID is a killer. And they came out with those vaccines. Remember, many of us have been inoculated with the vaccine. Well, they they discovered something about the effectiveness of these COVID vaccines. One of the things about them is that they, they drop dramatically as time goes on. They did a study of 800,000 veterans. This was published in the journal Science. And it said that the three vaccines offered about the same protection against the virus. But that changed six months later. In other words, they were like 89, 90 you know, percent effective against the virus. But like the Moderna virus, it drops from being 89% effective to 58% effective in six months. The Pfizer goes from 87% to 45%. And the Johnson & Johnson goes from 86% to 13% over six months. Sorry if you got the Johnson & Johnson. You got half. <laughs> what does all this mean? The, 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 they're very effective to a point. And that effectiveness goes down, thus the importance of the booster. I've gotten a booster shot, but it means that probably we'll, we will need boosters again and again. Now, why do I bring this up? I bring this up because I want us to take the analogy that we all have a spiritual infection. We all are infected with sin. Sins that we have committed of our own accord. And unlike COVID, 
Sin is 100% fatal. But this Christmas morning, God brought a cure into the world. A cure that would be 100% effective. A cure that would last forever. And this cure was a person. And so the angel says to the shepherds, and I say to you, do not fear. For God has brought good news into the world. For unto us a child is born, a son is given. What is the message of Christmas that you are receiving this year? It's a friendly, harmless holiday where we get together and put up a tree and open presents and drink eggnog and then we put them all away and we go on? Or is it that a Savior has been born, a Savior that I desperately need? See, the gospel is the cure. The gospel is the rescue plan that banishes fear from our lives, brings peace with God, and brings true joy. So don't be fearing, but be perceiving what the gospel really is. We must reject the false message of Christmas. We must stare deeply into the gospel. We must connect the dots on what the gospel means for our lives. And we must keep doing it again and again. Well, let's look at the shepherd's response to the angel's message. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. What did the shepherds do? They actually did five things. Do you know that? The shepherds did five things. Number one, they decided, let us go over to Bethlehem. Why? Because the Lord has made known to us this good news, this gospel. They wanted it. They wanted to no longer fear. They wanted to have peace with God. They wanted to know this great joy that the angel was talking about. They wanted to go over and see this thing that has happened. In other words, they wanted to see the gospel. Jesus is the proof that all that the angel has been saying is true. To these simple shepherds, the gospel was not an abstraction, but rather the gospel is a person. Well, what about the sheep? Who, who was going to watch the sheep while they took off? They just decided that they had to go. The sheep will be fine. So number one, they decided. Number two, they searched. See, it says here they went. And with haste, they went. Now, notice that there were not any instructions as to where this baby was going to be. Simply that this will be the sign that you will find a baby swaddled in cloths, lying in a manger. Well, that could be a lot of different places. But these shepherds somehow knew how to look. I don't know how many places they went to, but they went and they searched. And they finally found. Number three, what it must have felt like to hear this message on the plane from the angels and the heavenly host and to go and to walk into that stable or that room and to actually see this baby lying in a manger. They decided, they searched, they found, and then they shared 
number four. Look at Luke 2, 17. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning the child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. A lot of us don't realize that the shepherds were the first evangelists. That they actually made it known. Now, who did they make it known to? It appears they made it known to the town. The, the town of Bethlehem, right there where they were. They started telling people. This angel came and told us. And we found this baby lying in a manger. The one who the angels talked about. It was like they couldn't help it. They had to share the good news with other people. It didn't matter that they had poor social standing in the city. It didn't matter that they were ostracized. They had to share. And then finally they praised. Verse 20. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. These shepherds were no longer the same. See, they started out telling others, and they ended up telling God himself. They were praising and glorifying God. The pastures of the shepherds were filled with praise. They brought the gospel back with their hearts. See, worship is the response of a heart that has been set free. So they left in fear, and they returned in praise. What was the difference? They saw the proof. They experienced the gospel in the face of Jesus Christ. One of my favorite stories uh, was about G.K. Chesterton, who was standing on a London street corner. He was an English writer and a literary critic who came to Christ. And he was approached by a newspaper reporter. And this reporter said to Chesterton, Sir, I understand that you recently became a Christian. May I ask you one question? Certainly, replied Chesterton. If the risen Christ suddenly appeared at this very moment and stood behind you, what would you do? Chesterton looked at the reporter squarely in the eye and said, He is. <laughs> See, the gospel that was made known to that shepherd, those shepherds, has been known, made known to us. It's the same gospel. And the same Lord. And he's just as alive today as he was then. And he is here. Through the Holy Spirit. And so we too must decide. We must act like the shepherds. To seek out Jesus Christ. We must search for him. The Bible says ask. And you will receive. Seek and you will find. <coughs> Knock, and the door will be opened. And you will find him, for he is still alive and can be encountered and received by faith. We must decide and search and find and tell. Tell the world. Tell our friends. Tell our neighbors. Tell our colleagues that Christ is alive. The good news has come into the world. And through him, you can have peace with God, an absence of fear in your life, and joy unspeakable in Christ. We must tell, and we must finally worship. In our homes, with our children, with other Christians like we're doing today, we must worship, we must return like the shepherds, 
glorifying and praising God for all that we have seen and heard. These were the actions of the shepherds, and they should be our actions as well. Because the grace of the gospel of Jesus does not come to those who deserve it, but to those who desire it. This leads me to my final point, our decision. Two groups of people received the message of the gospel, but responded very differently. Two groups, which? Two groups. Well, there's the shepherds, and there's the townspeople. Right? The townspeople heard because the shepherds told them. But they had different reactions. The shepherds saw it. But notice it simply says that the townspeople wondered. I mean, they could have been in the very same town where Jesus was, but we don't read any other reports of anyone showing up and searching out the Christ. They wandered, wondered, but they did nothing. See, the message was the same that was given to the shepherds as to the townspeople. But why was there such a different reaction? Well, perhaps it's because the message was not as impressive as it was delivered by the shepherds as opposed to the heavenly host. See, if a message is challenging or hard to believe, it's easy to dismiss it by focusing on the messenger. I mean, we're in the same boat, aren't we? The authors of the Bible, they received the message of the gospel by angels or by Jesus himself. And we simply get a book. The Bible is a long book and not a simple read at that. And the message of the gospel is preached by ordinary people like myself, sometimes uninspiring. <laughs> it is extraordinarily easy to not really hear the word of God because it comes to us through non-spectacular means. We must beware of ignoring the message simply because it's delivered by shepherds or uninteresting preachers. The solution is we must be like Mary. Notice verse 19, but Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. To ponder means to put in context, to connect, to think something out. Mary wasn't distracted by the fact that it was shepherds. She concentrated on the message. She asked herself questions like, what does this mean? How will this affect my life? How must I live now? We must do the same. We must apply the gospel to our lives. What does this mean? Notice it says that she treasured these things up in her heart. The word treasure means to keep something alive or to savor it. It deals with the heart and the emotions more than the head. It's more attitude than aptitude. And so we must preach the gospel to ourselves during this Christmas season. We must ask ourselves questions like this. How would my life be different if I really believed this from the bottom of my heart? How would it change my thinking, my feeling, and my actions? How would it change my relationships? How would it change my prayer life, my feelings, and my attitude toward God? Often when you go home and, or somebody asks you the question, how was the sermon today? You say, oh, it was good. You're usually saying, how was the delivery of the sermon? You're answering, how was the delivery, rather than, 
How was the message? What of God's truth did you hear today? What is God saying to you? Well, I need to close. And I'll simply say this. That it's another Christmas season. And I've preached on these subjects before. And you can take this sermon, like the other ones, and put it on a shelf. But remember that the same promises of the gospel that were given to the shepherds are being given to you. It's the same person. Jesus is a living Savior. The shepherds abandoned their agenda and pursued the Christ and found him. And you also can see him by faith. So don't be fearing that he perceived you. Treasure these things and ponder them in your hearts. Because the grace of the gospel of Jesus does not come to those who deserve it, but to those who desire it. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you that you entered into the world. And you are the one who banishes all fear. You are the one who brings peace between us and God. And you are the one who brings joy. God, let us be like the shepherds. Let us decide and search. And in searching, find and tell and worship. Thank you, God, that you came to those shepherds first. And let us let our hearts be like them as we seek your face this Christmas Eve. We pray all of this in Christ's name. Amen.